0: What's up, everyone? How are y'all doing? What's
1: going on, man?
0: Doing well.
2: I've missed you guys since Friday.
0: <laughs> I know it's a little late here. Had to get some stuff done, but uh, we made it. We're here. We're living. <laughs> <all it> <laughs> um, welcome wow. to Football Axonauts Podcast. Got Monday Night Football <clears> tonight, <throat> Thursday night uh, on Thursday, but we had a full. Very full weekend of college football, NFL games as well. So, I don't know if there were games or injuries. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll start off with the uh, college football recap here. Um, first game we had was Friday night, and uh, the Camels, Chris, man, they couldn't get it done this time. <laughs> No. Coastal Carolina took it forty-three to twenty-one. The the Camels did cover though, Chris, plus twenty-six and a half, and uh, the over in this one hit at fifty-seven. Here, any thoughts on uh, oh, we how watch, Coastal play?
2: We watched it together. Coastal's a pretty solid team. We've talked about that. They, they've built that program, you know, fairly new, but put a lot of money into it, and it kind of just shows when you're playing teams like Campbell. Campbell. Put up a great fight. They just on skill position. They didn't have the receivers that I thought uh, Coastal Carolina had. They throw the ball to them, make someone miss, gain some yards. That was the biggest difference. But I still want you to pick them every game. Okay?
3: Oh, believe me, I'm I'm sticking with the Campbell train here. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they despite the score, I think they played pretty well. Um, as you said, Rusty, they covered the the spread, and uh, although they didn't look as good as they did last week, I still think that they uh, put up pretty much as good of a fight as they could
0: have. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they, they got a good quarterback in Grayson McCall uh, running the show. He only had to throw 16 times, but um, the way he played against Kansas, I think, uh, was definitely more accurate depiction of how uh, he can run the run the game. So, I think Coastal's going to be a competitor in the Sun Belt this year. The first game we have on Saturday was very close. A lot closer than people thought. Spencer Sanders got hurt, the quarterback for Oklahoma State. Um so they got the dub though, sixteen to seven. Uh Tulsa covered at plus twenty two and a half, and then the under in this one hit way under sixty six and a half.
2: For me it was just I don't care who was behind center. Their offensive line looked atrocious. Six sacks when Tulsa was regularly rushing three people. So, I don't care who's back there. Just like your star running back, 27 carries, 93 yards. Just, they didn't look good.
1: Yeah, if you're getting that out of a, you know, potential top three-round draft pick running back there, you can't really expect your team to perform as you'd expect.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. it was just absolutely horrible to watch Oklahoma State. I mean, luckily their defense only held Tulsa to 7 because otherwise they definitely would have lost this one. Um, the next game we have also a ranked team. Little bit different game here. (laughs) Number 13, Cincinnati got their first win of the season, 55 20 over Austin P. And since he covered at minus 33.5, and and, uh, the over hit. Since Cincinnati hit the over by themselves, 52.5.
1: Something we thought might happen.
0: (laughs) I was surprised Austin P. put up 20, man. Um, I think that surprised me as well. They're. Their running back, C.J. Evans, man, he's he's definitely a beast. He showed in the Central Arkansas game a couple weeks ago, um, and then this game as well. <laughs> any other thoughts on the Cincy game?
3: Oh, no, I didn't get a chance to watch this one, but, like, <clears throat> you guys are saying it was a surprise that Austin Pete put up 20, but was any of that, like, a garbage time score? Or I didn't did get to watch Did they actually legitimately game, yeah. score 20 points? <laughs>
0: um... I don't think so. I think it was like a slow thing over the course of the game, but um, yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it either because I knew what was gonna happen, so uh, I was focused on closer games. But yeah, Um, also for Cincinnati though, their running back as well is a pretty good beast too, and uh, Garrett Dokes. Yeah, yeah, Austin P scored. Okay, yeah, they scored. There are two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but it's okay. That's their last game of the season, though. They're only playing three this year, so.
3: They went winless. So. No
0: more no more Austin P blowouts this year.
2: <laughs> when you look at these stats, for me, it's just it had to be filled position. You had Cincinnati running back 10 carries, 20 yards, but he had three touchdowns. So he, he was getting handoffs pretty close to the goal line.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's a, he's a power back though, Garrett Dukes. Yeah, He's a good one. I just didn't get to see it. So <laughs> I didn't see the game either. Uh, next ranked team we had was the Rage Cajuns. Number nineteen, Louisiana took the dub in overtime against Georgia State, thirty four, thirty one. Um, the Panthers covered plus sixteen, and then uh. Over fifty-seven and a half 57-and-a-half hit easily in this one. Uh, I mean, I think uh, Levi Lewis looked pretty good. I mean, he threw two picks, which killed him, but um, <laughs> Destin Coates just ran the ball all day for Georgia State.
1: Yeah, was <clears throat> fun to watch. It was one that I honestly didn't think would be this close at all. But uh, good football play, in Atlanta over the weekend.
2: <laughs> I thought it was going to be – I kind of almost wanted to take Georgia State because everybody else took the Raging Cajuns. And it's because of the way Georgia State played last year at Tennessee, had the upset, and their running back is known um, as a really good back, as you can see with his stats. Congratulations, though, to the Raging Cajuns. First time that they're ranked since 1943.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that I was regretting my, my – Louisiana pick at the beginning because uh, Georgia State was up 14 nothing, and I was like crap man they're about to go 21 nothing, and then it's going to go downhill from there but then Louisiana picked it up and uh, all is well after that so um, the next one is also another ranked game from the 12 o'clock games here uh, number 25 Pitt Got the win, 21-10 over Syracuse. Um, Neither team really looked that great in this one. I mean, it was really good defense.
2: Pittsburgh did what they had to do to win. Here's something that I wrote down during the game. Pittsburgh, seven penalties, three missed field goals, and two turnovers, but you still win. Uh And sometimes that becomes, you know, as a solid team, you have to find ways to win when, you're either playing sloppy or just having a bad day. And they they were having both. But they found a way to win against another ACC opponent. So.
3: Yeah, this game seemed a lot closer than I expected. But, I mean, the outcome in terms of who won, I, I think we all picked Pittsburgh. So, I think we all expected that.
0: Yeah, I thought it should have been a blowout. But, uh... <clears throat> You know, that's, uh, besides the point. I mean, because Pitt, uh, Syracuse easily covered at plus 21 and a half and, uh, way under 50 points here, Alex.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've covered twice now. So, you know what they say, good teams win, but the great teams cover.
0: <laughs> I like that. Um... Going to the non-ranked games here. Uh, actually, real quick, the, the two kids for Pitt on the D-line, absolutely ridiculous D-line that Pitt has, mm-hmm. uh, even without Jalen Twyman. Still, Rashad Weaver is NFL prospect. Great game for him. Liberty. Yeah, the Flames got us all this week, man. I, I talk, what
2: did I tell you guys? Thirty to
0: twenty four against Western Kentucky. Uh, Tyrell Pigram though for Western Kentucky looked great. Uh, one only threw for one ninety three, but he had those three touchdowns along with sixty two on the ground. Um, but really, I think it was the rushing yards by Josh Mack there for Liberty. Well,
2: like I said. When we were talking Friday, I wouldn't be surprised because Hugh Freeze—he's been in the SEC—he knows how to game plan. You know, Willis, the quarterback for Liberty, is a transfer from Auburn, so they do have some talent on that ro- roster. Um, and those are those are not those are pretty good numbers too: one hundred thirty-three yards passing, one hundred sixty-eight yards rushing. So young man can run I I'll think he me. was the difference in the game to be honest
0: yeah, yeah um, I mean I didn't I didn't really catch this one too much but um, <clears throat> like I said before it's really if uh, Liberty can keep their rushing game going they'll be in a good spot um, as their independent schedule gets kicked off here Um, going to a game that i loved and alex knows exactly why i loved this game
1: big maker on the
0: week for us because i live bet a safety nice for navy at plus 2200 and won it um so you also
1: live at the navy comeback didn't you
0: like plus like four. yeah it was only 625 <coughs> though I wish I would have bet when it was plus 1800 instead but
2: biggest uh, second half comeback <clears throat> in school history
0: yeah so uh, Navy got the win 24 27-24. it was 24 24- nothing um, two lane at halftime wow. and Navy scored 27 straight points when uh, Dale and Morris came in and it was interesting because Dalen and Morris And Navy actually led the game in passing yards with 139 uh, through 11 times this this game.
2: So that's what I was going to bring up. Navy did it in a different style to get back into the game. They went through the air to get back in the game. Thought that was awesome, had a safety. And then vintage Navy was their last drive to set up the field goal. 10 plays, 52 yards, on the ground, boom, kick a game-winning field goal. Beautiful. Even though I didn't pick him, like I said, go midshipman.
1: That passing game isn't something that Tulane probably prepared for very much in practice. So, Navy started going to it when they needed to. Something that maybe Tulane wasn't as ready to see.
0: Yeah, and uh, J- Jamil Carruthers is is quite the beast at fullback for a Navy. Um but, I mean, Tulane has Tajay Spears as well, uh, who can definitely carry the road. And Cameron Carroll's their power back, so that's why he got two touchdowns there. Um, but I think both these teams are on the up and up. I, Tulane definitely... Uh, I know Chris believes in Tulane, even though he picked Navy this week. Yeah. Navy,
3: yeah, they're, said, they're both... I always picked the military teams, and <laughs> yeah, I was right this week, so...
2: They're both well coach. I love what Navy's coach said last week. He took the full blame for BYU's or the loss on BYU. Actually they had a bye week I think before this one. Mm -hmm. Um, They got back into contact uh, practice and I just love good coaches take the blame. Coaches just get their best players all players ready to play a game and in the best situation to win and then if you don't then you should shoulder it. Shoulder a lot of the blame. So I love what he had to say. I think Tulane going forward will be all right as well.
0: Yeah, Navy got the cover plus seven. um, And then the over in this one hit at 49 points. And just the guy on the bottom there, Daniel Fago, an amazing game. dude. He was all over the field. I love it. I love linebacker play. Of course. The upsets that we didn't see coming, Boston College destroyed Duke 26-6 to to get their first win of the season. Um, <laughs> Phil Jerkovic, I mean, I didn't even watch this game, but uh, Phil Jerkovic, 300 yards. Uh, definitely not something we're used to seeing out of Boston College with a 300-yard passer.
2: I have two st- I have I have two stats. Boston College had five spring practices, people, with their coaching hire and then COVID, and Duke had five turnovers in this game. That's all you need to know. You can't win a football game if you turn the ball over five times.
0: Yeah, and uh, so Boston College got the cover, obviously, plus six. um, And the under was way under at 52. But, yeah, I mean, see that there? Zay Flowers as well, 162 through the air. Um, As well as their tight end, Hunter Long had almost 100 himself. Um, but yeah, turnover is going to kill you, man. Chase Bryce not doing well for Duke right now. <laughs> the number seven Irish. Notre Dame fighting Irish. Um, <laughs> shut out USF. It's 52-0. Um, I was expecting USF to at least score a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. (laughs) But uh, Notre Dame did cover minus 26 and over they got that themselves at 48 points.
1: Just an overall dominant performance on both sides of the
3: ball. Looks like Ian Book had almost like a Dak Prescott type game there with the three rushing touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and I know Alex was (laughs) mad at this game (laughs) because he couldn't live bet the touchdowns.
2: So. They they took care of business in their lone non-conference game, whether it's because he didn't play the entire game or just it wasn't a stu- tough competition. He still, Ian Book, still doesn't look like that preseason Heisman <coughs> candidate that everybody talked about, and even what we saw him do a little bit here at Georgia last year. Some of that's going to be the, we've talked about it, the preseason, some of it's going to be the competition, so be interesting once I get into ACC play to see if he he steps it up
0: Yeah, yes Ebo they there uh, the main guy for them on the ground 127 um, another ranked team we have we had playing this weekend the Golden Knights UCF uh, went into Atlanta and destroyed Georgia Tech 49 21 uh, Yeah, this one has a lot of stats. There was a lot of big games. Uh, Dylan Gabriel over 400 yards. Um, Jeff Sims had 82 on the ground for Tech. And then uh, a bunch of receiving statistics as well for UCF specifically. Almost three 100-yard receivers.
3: This is the first game I've seen so far where the quarterbacks have attempted over 30 throws. All the other ones have been like 25 and under. Mm -hmm. So this one actually was a quarterback battle for once.
1: And it was a good game for a a reasonable portion of it. It was. It was. started to play there. And uh, I think it was early on you saw Sims doing really well, taking care of the ball. And then later on those turnovers started. And and that's when UCF kind of just took the reins and rode off into the sunset with an easy dub.
2: 643 total yards for UCF. That's that's a pretty good number when you're playing a football game. Again, the turnover's five for Georgia Tech.
0: Yeah, there was a, a crazy sequence where the ball got turned over, I think it was three three or four straight plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just kept throwing it back and forth and putting it on the ground. So, um, definitely good win, good start to the season for UCF. Um and uh, I think they're gonna make a run at the American title if they can get past Cincy. It'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah, and uh, sacks galore in this one. <laughs> um, another number twenty-three goes down for the second straight week in a row here. The lone Wolf
2: didn't didn't three of us pick Marshall and one App State. Er, it is the reverse. One, one three of App State, one
0: Marshall.
1: Only me.
0: Yeah. Uh, one- Came through for me <laughs> yeah the herd got it done 17 to 7 and they got the cover plus four and a half under way under a and a half here
2: I I had in my notes on Friday that I, when I was talking was I thought this was an intriguing game or the most in like the one of the most fun to watch we talked about the young quarterback and a senior quarterback it actually was not fun to watch. Really on either side. The stat that stuck out of my mind was Marshall was seven for fifteen on third downs, which allowed them to keep the ball, regardless if they weren't scoring a lot of points. And App State didn't even score in the second half, so that was the big key to me. Their their third down conversion and obviously Marshall's defense was lights out in this game.
1: I think we expected it to be a, a game that would Grant Wells tried to carry Marshall to a victory and it was it was really, like you said, defenses played really well on both sides.
0: Yeah, I was kind of annoyed at this game because uh you know, App State was just absolutely terrible. And yeah. they would get they would get going. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they would turn the ball over, not make a third down penalty, and it was just frustrating, especially um the key point in the game late where app state had a touchdown, and the tight end just fumbled the ball, just punched it, got it punched right out into the end zone for a touchback so um, but yeah, we'll see if. Number 23 goes down next week as well. Uh, That number 23, I'd have to check real quick. I forget when it gets to the lower part of the rankings, it uh, slips my mind. But, yeah, number 23 this week is Kentucky. So SEC play starting. It could happen. I believe they are going to lose as well, but not as an upset pick because they're playing at Auburn, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> no one wants to be number twenty three this year.
0: Um yeah, the next one was another very slow game. Uh UTSA got the win twenty four to ten over Stephen F. Austin. Uh Stephen F covered at plus fourteen and a half. Got that half point cover there. That's what I like to see. Under fifty and a half easily hit in this one as well. Um this one was kind of boring. I mean, it was close. It's closer than I thought it was going to be because uh, I thought Stephen F. wasn't that great, but uh, I already also know that UTSA is not that great either.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Any thoughts?
2: I thought the running back game for UTSA kind of dictated it. They were able to give him the ball when they needed to, and he could pick up some yardage, at least make it you know, second and manageable, third and, and
0: short. Yeah, uh, they definitely have a, a back though, and sincere mm-hmm. McCormick, man, he is a beast of a back. Um, and I if UTSA is going to do anything this year, uh, it's going to be through him and their defense. Actually, I mean, Jalen Haynes there, two sacks, three tackles Um solid play there as well. Um, going to the Trojans, Troy destroyed Mid Take care of business um forty seven to fourteen they got the cover minus three and a half easily sixty four and a half the under hit um barely in this one by six by three and a half points um yeah i mean troy looked good <laughs> in this one i
1: mean through the first quarter it looked like maybe it would be close troy drove down was about to take i think a three touchdown lead and threw a pick in the end zone and then uh Mid-Tennessee came back the other way, and I think that's that was their last semi-decent drive before the blowout started. And I, I think Gunnar Watson's a good quarterback. I think he's somebody who let him go late rounds off the board uh, when he goes to the draft, if he goes to the draft, whenever. Uh, but he looked good. Uh, I was pretty impressed by, by the Troy offense overall.
0: Yeah, at the beginning of the game, man, they were just rolling. Mid-Tennessee had nothing for them uh as far as their defense goes. Uh but yeah, I mean the Troy defense also was very good with uh getting a safety by Will Culloch there. And then uh Terrence Dunlap also having two interceptions as well. Uh yeah, but the Trojans. Again it's it's another it's another Sunbelt team and it's Sunbelt's gonna be fun <laughs> to watch this year, I think.
3: Yeah, I uh I just want to point out, I think I lone wolfed mid-Tennessee this week, and, uh, yeah, that didn't work out too
2: well for me. I agree with Rusty. The Sun Belt is uh, shaping up to have some tough teams. Fun fact about this game is they meet again on November 21st, and I think for the first time in maybe 10 years, two college teams will face each other on a regularly
0: scheduled, not
2: playoff or or championship game.
0: Yeah, I still don't think Mid Tennessee's gonna win that one either. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> go ahead, Chris, pick them again.
0: The number one team in the country, Clemson, shut out the Citadel, forty nine to nothing. Uh, not much to say about this game. Clemson did cover at minus forty five and a half, which was something we didn't see coming. At least we all thought that they weren't gonna be able to cover uh, with that much of a cushion but uh under 57 and a half did hit there so uh i mean trevor lawrence throws the ball nine times in the game and has three scores on that this. that's the only thing that makes me <laughs> chuckle i wish that <laughs> yeah. how
2: eight completions and three of them were touchdowns <laughs> i,
1: mean, I Clemson didn't score a single point after halftime either so yeah but, I, I truly think that uh, they might have had to call the game and Clemson went out there and kept putting up numbers
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they took the starters out of halftime uh and actually it's interesting there was four different people threw a pass for Clemson in that game Jeez. Um, I don't on. know if I didn't check to see if all four of them were quarterbacks or not but I know at least three quarterbacks threw the threw the ball
2: have to have to find out who's gonna be the starter next year no.
1: yeah. shout out to my boy James Skowski with the scoop and score touchdown for Clemson played soccer with him for a couple years up in Atlanta he played center back with me so have to give the boy a shout out first uh, first touchdown
3: uh very nice. So good luck to him. Good luck to him. Yeah, but I'm just trying to figure out because I was busy on Saturday, so I didn't really watch any of the games. But Trevor Lawrence was only accountable for four of the touchdowns. So where did the other. What is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he, other the, three the, or whatever touchdowns? Yeah, the, the, the backup quarterback there, DJ Uigalele, Uiga um, he had two of them there on the ground. Um, and. I don't know where the other ones came from, but yeah. I mean, there you got. Offensive, the one you have, one. <laughs> you have six touchdowns, yeah, the, and then the one defense. So there's six, there's six offense on the board there, and the one defense, Chris. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, no, I didn't realize that the other the second quarterback was uh, Clemson. I wasn't paying attention.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but uh, it's just crazy to see like the two sides of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I know he only played like. How long, because he only threw nine passes. But yeah, he only threw nine passes in this one. But last week, he threw how many passes? Like, he threw a ton of passes last week. So, I mean, I know this was against the Citadel, and like I said, he played only a little portion of the game. But he did the most with his time on the field this week. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, another one that was annoying that we couldn't live bet touchdowns on. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> Trying to make some more money here um smu <laughs> killed north texas by 30 here uh 65 35 and they covered uh minus 14 over 68 and a half easily hit there um shane Bouchel looked hell of a lot better i t- i said that i said that on friday if they're gonna win shane buchelle has gonna play a hell of a lot better than he did against texas state and he did it. He went out there over 300 yards, four touchdowns, one on the ground, um, and then their running back, Ulysses Bentley, absolutely demolished the oh, North Texas defense. 11.9 average. Whew.
1: I think this is the Bouchelle they wanted to see, that they expected to see. Now it's waits to be seen. Will he sustain, or is he going to default to what he did week one?
0: Yeah, especially once they get into their American schedule. Um... Going up against UCF, Cincinnati, all those kind of teams. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, North Texas did put up a fight. I mean, 35 points is pretty good for them against SMU. Uh, Oscar Attaway, over 100 yards on the ground. And then, but I think the receivers for SMU are ridiculous Reggie Robertson and Rasheed Rice. Um, they have one of the best uh, I, tandems there.
2: I think they could pose an upset in, in their conference at some point.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Shane Bouchelle getting in a shootout with UCF. Uh, not sure if they actually play them or not, but, um, yeah. And then, I mean, the SMU defense looks pretty solid as well. Um, Shane Haley there with two and a half tackles, lost and a sack. Um, the game of the week, the only ranked matchup of the week here, number 17 Miami beat number 18 Louisville um I was annoyed many times by this game and then they turned it off in the bar so to watch the basketball game and I was like why are you turning my game off <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean Derek King this was the type of game that Miami fans were looking for from him uh after he ran the ball a lot their first game um they wanted to see if he could throw the ball, and uh, that's exactly what he did in this game.
1: Yeah, he looked good. I was impressed.
0: Complete
2: turnaround from first game, offensive outburst for Miami. Five plays of 20-plus yards and two 75-yard touchdowns. So it's for all those Miami fans that wanted to be back or wanted football to be exciting, this is uh, the type of game that – you should have really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, Malik Cunningham did put in a quality performance with three touchdowns through the air as well, over three hundred. but JV and Hawkins was really the story for me on uh, Louisville's side. Um, over 150 rushing yards there, and uh, got a lot of work in 27 carries. The um, receivers... For uh, Louisville as well, had really nice games, but I mean also you can see the defensive statistics here. Um, quality game all around, I think, um, in this one here.
3: I gotta just point out one player. I'm looking at all the stats, but how about the running back from Miami, Cameron Harris? Nine carries for 134 yards. That's one, of them, one, yards of one of them. One of them was 75 yards. One of them was a
2: 75-yard touchdown. But still, that's... Oh, yeah, it's huge, huge. Yeah. Props to the no, new offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, yeah wait. Uh, I
3: can't remember the picks, but I know I picked Miami to win this one. Did anybody else?
2: You, uh, you and Alex, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so... Go f- I got
0: you, bro. It's okay. Go f- <laughs> it's okay. I may, well, I
1: may trash on the Jets every single week, but I <laughs> got you here. All right.
0: Okay, We'll, f- we'll see uh, next week when we have a lot of ranked matchups next week. A lot more, anyways. There's another one I <laughs> lost uh, by one point yep, in the Friday picks. <laughs> you and I both. Louisiana Tech, the Bulldogs got the win 31-30 to over Southern Miss. I don't um, I don't want to talk Jack about Abraham looked really good for Southern Miss, though. However, with three touchdowns, um, did throw the interception there. But... Um, I don't even really know where Louisiana Tech won this game. I mean, they had two guys over sixty-five rushing yards, but other than that, their quarterback only threw for about one hundred and fifty. But he threw for three touchdowns.
2: Southern Miss blew a seventeen-point lead. They just handed it to them. Down in Hattie Hattiesburg, they stopped putting the foot on the gas.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: good this week, gentlemen. Who? I said, my picks are
0: looking good. <laughs> I mean, Tim Jones there, 8 for 160 and two touchdowns through the air for, for him, for USM. Um, the tackle numbers were ridiculous in this game, as you can see. Tyler Grubbs uh, for Tech, 16, Malik Shorts, and Chantrell uh, Latham with 14 each on the USM side here, also a pick for Lath- Latham there. Um Tech got the cover, plus 5.5, over 58.5 hit.
3: Uh, I was just gonna say it's kind of funny. Though, looking at the defensive players there, looks like it was a lot of combined tackles there, not a lot of solos. I mean, Grubbs only had four out of sixteen tackles, and Latham only had four out of fourteen. So there was a lot of yeah combined tackles.
0: I <laughs> mean, that 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 tends to happen whenever you get that many tackles. I mean, yeah. Whatever the st- <laughs> the statisticians wanna wanna put in the book is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> The next one here, uh, one I actually got right for once, Texas State. I mean, everyone picked Texas State, but they killed uh, UL Monroe 38-17. One thing for Monroe, though, Colby Sweets looked really good. 377, two touchdowns through the air and a pick, though. Um, But, I mean, Tyler Vitt for Texas State got it done on the ground with his legs 82 yards and a touchdown there. I had
2: that. I thought he was the difference maker. And, of course, Texas State had a 100-yard interception touchdown return.
0: Yeah, Jaron Morris there uh, also had four tackles and three solos as well.
2: He may be still on oxygen.
3: (laughs) So, I know I keep saying I I didn't really watch the games this weekend, but when you throw 53 times and complete 35 times, I feel like you should have more than two touchdowns. But I mean, were they not really near the end zone a lot?
0: That's uh that's just what UL Monroe does, man. <laughs> they <laughs> suck. That's what they do.
2: Playing from behind, you throw it. You throw it a lot.
0: When when Louisiana used to be called UL Lafayette, it was it's been the same thing. They've been the team. They've been the better Louisiana team <laughs> than than Monroe, so. <coughs> um Texas State did get the cover, minus 5.5, under 62, hit in this one. And you can see also Jeremiah Hadle had himself quite a day through the air, six for 152 and two touchdowns. Um, And then we already said about Jaron Morris on the defensive side for Texas State here. Two more games to go here. NC State. This is
2: one to talk about.
0: Squeaked out 45-42 over Wake Forest. Um Sam Hartman was the leading passer in the game with 236 and a touchdown for Wake, um, but I mean you can see it—the <laughs> ground game for both sides is absolutely ridiculous, especially NC State with almost two 100-yard rushers there.
2: NC State—he's on the hot seat. He has to win ball games like this. It was a game when you're watching it. It was whoever was going to have the ball last. The one thing that got me when I was watching this game is Wake Forest had 32 first downs to NC State's twenty-four, but they could never get a sizable lead. And every time you're getting a first down, you you think you're getting you, you know you're keeping the ball, you're moving the ball, you're looking to score. And so I just I thought it was if you have that many more first downs, you should have won that ball game.
0: Yeah, it was quite the defensive performance on both sides. As you can see, I have uh, what, five different defenders there, and uh, there's four sacks between those five guys, as well as a 45-yard pick six by Jaseer Taylor for Wake Forest. There um, probably kept them a little bit closer.
2: You give up 500 yards <clears throat> o- offensively, doesn't matter how many first downs I guess you have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Kenneth Walker also had a really good night for Wake, 27 for 131 and three touchdowns on the ground. Um, but, yeah, uh, NC State barely covered at minus 2.5, half, another half-point cover there. And uh, over 53 hit easily in this one. Not not to
2: string it out, my, I think my question for NC State moving forward because – Year after year, you know they've had maybe had a, someone that was good under center, and they put some people in the NFL, or they had like a Chub. It's, how do you bet going forward? Who like who are the Wolfpack? They're supposed to be decent, but then all the coaches pick them like eighth in the ACC because they know, they always underperform. And Then I have fans that are in the family on my wife's side, and they're like oh man, we were supposed to be like the third, fourth best, but then Notre Dame comes in, and I think I. You, As a fan, I don't think you know what you're talking about. So I just don't – like when we have to make these picks, how do you pick these games for NC State? Are they going to show up and score 45? Or are they going to turn it over and score 13?
0: Just not touch it, right, Alex?
1: (laughs) That's my plan for these kind of games, and that's what I did not do. I wish I would have lied about a touchdown because it looks like somebody scored on every single drive. but.
0: (laughs) The the last game of the night here, another boring. crappy game uh, for UTEP. Uh, two out of their three games have all been really boring, and they get that late time slot, so no one watches it anyways at 9 o'clock. Um, they did win, <laughs> barely, uh, against Abilene Christian, 17-13. And, yeah, I mean, it's not very fun stats i mean you had jacob Cowing for utep over 100 yards receiving and 75 rushing yards for josh fields but other than that i mean it was not that great stats if you look at them they're almost the same
2: if someone was to look up a box score comes down to turnovers abilene christian had two to utep i think zero or one so that was the difference
0: yeah, Abilene got the cover at plus four and a half. That's the third half-point cover we have uh, in this weekend. And under was way under 51 and a half in this one. And that was the college football weekend in review. Let's talk about something. We will switch over to the pro side and the NFL oh games goodness. here. Thank goodness. And the first one, the Eagles lost thirty-seven to nineteen in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, I kind of just was. Yeah, I, I we all bet. Really,
2: we all got this one right. Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> no, Carl. Alex Lone wolf the Eagles. Oh, did he? <laughs> uh, I thought we all had him. Had the Rams. And I mean, the thing is, is it's Carson Wentz is not looking good. Uh, as well as the Eagles defense looking like crap. Um, But one thing that does look good for the Eagles, Miles Sanders, he looked amazing in his season debut. Um, So they have that anyways.
1: Yeah, I mean, you couldn't blame the offensive line for the Eagles as much this week. I think, I mean, the Rams really just might be competitive again now in in probably the most competitive division in the NFL. By far. I mean, if Tyler Higbee's going to catch maybe one touchdown every couple of weeks here. He caught three this week. I mean, you got guys like that catching touchdowns with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the roster. So, if Jared Goff is spreading the ball around like this and run games working, even when you're bringing in guys like Henderson because of Brown getting hurt, then this is a team to watch out for again.
2: I heard uh, someone uh, before the Sunday night game speaking, I think on ESPN, or I don't remember what commentator, but he was saying that they kind of look like the Rams of the Super Bowl Rams, where you could plug different people in. McVay's going back to his, uh, you know, creativity. And with that, that's that's what I had on this game is Higby has three touchdowns. That That's huge for the Rams. But they, what they did is they had a quarterback waggle about every time. And if no one knows what that means is they're rolling Joff out of the pocket and giving them different variations of people to throw to, And so the tight end was there. And I will say this a thousand times. Good teams are eventually going to get up up on that and contain Joff, Goff, whoever. I don't like him. He doesn't like to get hit. Contain him in the pocket. Rams will lose.
0: Yeah, I mean... He, uh, He
2: does not like to get hit, people.
0: Yeah, uh... I mean, I was surprised at uh, Daryl Henderson, but I mean that's why I didn't start Malcolm Brown in fantasy because I knew the Eagles' defense was good against the run, anyways. Even though Henderson did get eighty-one yards, but um, yeah, the Eagles' defense is just crap right now.
3: I do have to say though, thanks to George Kittle for being hurt because that that allowed me to start uh, Tyler Higby here and uh, got me a good chunk of points there. But, um,
2: before we move on, just I agree with Alex that this is the most competitive or toughest division. On the flip side, the Eagles probably are in the worst division in <laughs> football. If not, you know, Jags, Titans, Colts, Texans, maybe. But it, it's a toss-up right now.
3: Uh, the NFC East is definitely worse than the AFC South.
0: Yeah, there should have been three 0-2 teams and one 1-1 team, but uh, we'll talk about that when we get to that game. Uh, The Rams covered plus one over 46 hit uh, in this one. So, the Steelers, they got the win. They are 2-0. They're my only hope this year, and they are still my AFC Super Bowl pick, so I'm very excited about that. 26 21 over Denver. Um, this game did not, they did not look as good this game as they did week one, I think. Uh, their defense still was amazing and lights out seven sacks um, of Drew Locke and Jeff Driscoll. Uh, we'll talk about Locke in a little bit, but um, James Conner had a good comeback game over 100 yards on the ground there.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a good game. I, I think they obviously played a little bit, bit, of a little bit of a tougher defense. I think a defense that tried to really key in on Juju and keep him a little bit limited this week. And I think that's why we saw Deontay Johnson have a bigger game. We saw Claypool get more involved this week than in the past. By the way, that pass to Claypool on the sideline—that's <laughs> vintage burger to me. So to see him do that makes me
3: really think this team's one to watch out for this that's year. Yeah. Um, well. This game was my upset pick, and I did hit on that because they did cover the spread. But I'm I was surprised though that the Broncos were able to still actually I think they even maybe played better after Locke went down with Driscoll at yeah, quarterback. So I was kind of surprised to see that happen. Yeah, yeah Driscoll,
1: I, I agree with that. Driscoll looked really good. Melvin Gordon looked pretty good as that's well. Gordon too.
0: Yeah, Driscoll had about I think it was 260 yards. Um, but like I said, this was defensively just load the box score. Uh, the guy's jersey I'm wearing right now. Wonderful game. Four tackles, two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits. That was a. That's what I had.
2: Big for me when I was watching this game, and it's not even the actual stats for T.J. Watt. It's even when he wasn't in on a tackle, he was pushing people. To Bud Dupree, like when the lock injury happened, he's getting away from T.J. Watt and coming right into Bud Dupree, which just lays a lick on him. And then you have that AC joint uh, sprain. I will say this: I had an AC joint separation in the military, and it is not any fun. Is all I can say. And I wasn't a quarterback, obviously, so I can. O- Mine was separation, but I can only imagine. Um, the, the sprain and what grade it is, see how fast he can come back. Unless Driscoll takes offense by the reins. We all know Elway is a GM. He might already be looking at what the draft is going to look like next year and trying to get another
0: quarterback. <laughs> no. no, this is – I think they love Drew Locke
1: too much. He's got the locker room.
0: Yeah, it's Locke's team. Um, and it's Elway's head if Locke doesn't pan out anyways, so – uh, Justin Simmons, good for him to get an interception in a franchise tag year, um, as well as I mean Cam Hayward just continues to produce with four quarterback hits. The my third team here they uh, did not get the win again and had some injury issues. So, but the Tampa Bay Bucks got their first win of the Brady era. 31-17, to first home win as well. Uh, Teddy B, though, led the Panthers and the game in passing, 367, but he did have three turnovers. Um, that was really the story of the day here, I think.
1: Yeah, the Bucks defense is something that I think a lot of people kind of slept on before the season, and, and they look good. Overall, as a unit, they look good. Sue looks the best we've seen him play in a couple of years now. Uh, obviously, you have him down here. He made a pretty, pretty big impact on that game and limiting McCaffrey on the ground before he got hurt. Uh, I mean, I think that, that's big for them. And, and Brady, I think, is at the point in his career where he needs that defensive backbone to help him out.
2: Two things stick out, and I agree with you on, on the Brady thing. He's not that world beater that he's always been in the past. He'll, he'll be smart enough to win games, but he was going to have to find someone that he gets comfortable with, and he looked comfortable with Evans yesterday. And then the second thing I said on Friday is they need to get Fournette jump-started, and Rusty laughed at me because he isn't the starter, but as you can see, they're a different team when he has 12 carries for 103 yards wow. and four receptions for 13. So they need, they need to spray it around. They need to get everybody involved. If you can finally get his trusty tight end to make an appearance in a game, I think things will start to become more comfortable if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Fournette's, <laughs> Fournette's rushing one is very yard misleading with uh <laughs> one forty six yard touchdown. So eleven for fifty eight or whatever it is. Fifty something. Uh but yeah, I mean I think I liked that um I would have liked Bridgewater not to throw that many times, but uh, he was completing almost 80% of the passes and uh, over 100, 100 yards for Moore and Anderson. It's really man. great. Uh, one thing, though, you're talking about Gronk. Uh, Brady's interception that he had was overthrow of Gronk. Mm-hmm. That was Gronk's only target. Yep. It was the first time he hadn't had a catch Um, in a game since December 23rd, 2018, uh, the last season he played. So only one catch on three targets uh, for Gronk this year. Not impactful at all.
3: (laughs) Well, I think it's uh, part of the reason is that the Buccaneers just don't seem to use their tight ends a lot. At least they haven't in these first two games. Um, Brady's been looking more towards the two receivers – which everyone was on the field at the time because they've both been injured now. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's been looking at them and he's been doing what he's what he always did in New England too, and looking at his running backs. So yeah, I I think that the Gronk signing was a little overhyped at least so far this year.
0: Yep, definitely need a game plan in to get uh, him some targets here. The Bucks covered minus eight and a half and uh, over forty seven and a half hit. I know this one was. Made people really mad though, as far as covers go, because the Panthers uh, <laughs> they had a play at the end of the game where the guy didn't stayed in bounds at like the two yard line, and if he would have went out, they could have had another play and chance to score and cover the spread, but it didn't happen. <laughs> I was mad too because I wanted to see him get another touchdown, but. Um, this next one, man, I, Do we have
2: to talk about it? <laughs> yeah,
0: the, this one made me mad. Uh, the Bears got it 17-13. They're 2-0. and No one expected that coming out. Giants covered plus 5.5, which was good for my underdog selection, as well as the under hit at 42. But what pissed me off about this game is that I had a 11-team parlay. It was only like 50 cents to win 70 bucks, right? Giants were the only team that lost. So far, the Saints still need to play, but really mad. Could have won $70 off 50 cents. Anyways, we all know what happened to Saquon. We'll talk about that. But um, I don't necessarily think the Bears
3: were that great in this game. No. I think the Bears are the worst two and team in the league right now. They try I mean they, they technically could be 0 and two.
2: They tried to give this game to the Giants. Yeah. Even I, I that's the best way I can explain it.
3: <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing last week with the Lions too. The Lions dropped the game winning play and I mean uh, Golden Tate kinda screwed up at the end there for the Giants, but they had the chance to win the game there too. So. Bears are trying to tank, but
1: they're not doing it correctly. I don't think the Bears' success
0: sustains very far into the season once we get up against real competition. Yeah, I would definitely um, agree with that, considering, I mean, they're playing the Falcons next week. Who the hell knows how that game is going to go. But <laughs> I'm picking, so I'm, I'm pe- I'm picking the
2: ready. Falcons to get on the board. <laughs> I don't care.
0: Uh, Roquan Smith, uh, tackle for loss there, he was – Uh, tied for the lead-in tackles in this game. But Blake Martinez looked really good, uh, as well as James Bradbury. uh, Four pass deflections and a pick. Uh, I think that was his first good game that he's had since uh, he signed in New York. Khalil Mack also got a sack. Uh, Good for him. But let's go to the next game.
2: (laughs) We have a lot to talk about in this game.
0: Uh, Actually, I switched it up and Either way. Either way. I might not even have put this game in here. We're fine. Might have screwed that one up. But before we talk about the Packers and Lions, let's talk about the Cowboys and Falcons. I know I don't have the statistics up here. That's on me. But anyways, <coughs> what the hell happened, Mark? All I have to say is
2: <laughs> let's all talk about the text message I sent to our group in like the second quarter before halftime. So why do we always pick the Cowboys? And Chris, you're right. They are sexy on paper. Look at your wide receivers, your run game. Dak can make things happen. Defense is, is decent enough. And Dak comes out, and I believe that he had 450 yards passing total. And they end up coming back. But all I can say is, And maybe you guys want to talk a little bit more at the end of the game. How about five Falcons around the ball just watching it as it squibs its way ten yards? And it was almost like they were like the Cowboys. Like, we can't touch it until the Cowboys touch it. If they would have just touched it, game over. It wouldn't have went ten yards. It's a penalty. Just
1: pick it up. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that they were thinking the same thing, like, can't touch it until it goes 10 yards for either team, but when I saw that, I was like, I didn't know what to think, because that game, the end of that game came on after the Jets game, so I got to watch the end of it, and I just remember it was like five minutes left, they were down by like 15, I was like, okay, this game's over. All of a sudden, they scored the touchdown, then they did the onside kick, I was like, okay, now they're actually going to win this game. (laughs) It was crazy.
1: Yeah, you have to question dan quinn at some point in time i mean it it comes from a lack of situational awareness and and practicing things like this in practice which should be obviously something that you do pretty often because we've seen now how negatively it can impact them so my question is how long does atlanta let dan quinn hang around
2: that's a that's a good question i mean if this was going to happen it would only happen to the falcons if that makes sense after (laughs) after the super bowl collapse and you know who we should probably give a little bit more credit to is is the kicker, Zerline, X Ram. Also went to a small school in Missouri, Northwest it a, it nice or Lindenwood. Kick. And he, nice nice onside kick to let it roll and then the game winner.
0: For all those who by some miracle have not seen it yet, here it is in its full glory with
3: it's without else. No, don't touch it guys
0: Don't touch it Oh crap, we can touch it
2: That
3: just It just does not
2: Just watch it one more time And in slow motion
0: It just does not it Make sense This angle is great Like, what you is Hayden Hurst doing? Right there. Came in and got it. You're
3: just what is
0: Zacchaeus doing?
1: NBA player trying to box out a <laughs> Box guy out
2: from, somebody. You
1: know, yeah. Yeah, and, and create a circle around the ball. But at that point, he jumps away from the ball, away from everyone else, towards the sideline. The guy, the guy's gonna get chewed out in practice, or yeah, in practice for that during the film session, and it, it's not gonna be good.
0: Yeah, it just, uh, like I said, it it was really annoying because the Eagles are on two. And there could have been 3 0 in two teams. And now there's only two.
1: But we have to say, impressive game by Prescott. Dak played very well.
0: Well, that made me mad too, and fantasy wise. Why the hell do you pay Zeke Elliott and you're just going to run a QB sneak every time?
1: It's all right, Rusty. You're going to beat me by like 20 points.
0: I know. Uh, good thing you mentioned that because I was, forgot to say something about it. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm not I, even. In the I thing. got
1: Kittle out. You can't blame me.
0: Well, I don't know why you're starting Taysom Hill. That's that's your mistake, but... <laughs>
1: the waiver wire was thin pickings. <laughs> I figured, I figured make Michael Thomas out. Maybe Taysom Hill will do a few fun things.
0: Get it! Um, no, Jared Cook, all the way. Uh, the Falcons did cover, however, plus four. And uh, over, way over, f- 53 points here. And also, one last note. Uh... The Falcons were the first team in NFL history to score 39 points, not turn the ball over, and lose. Teams were 440-0 and 0 before that game happened. So, good job, Atlanta. I know Jack, our friend Jack, is uh, feeling it after this weekend. <laughs> um, anyways, this game... <clears throat> Packers uh, destroyed the Lions 42 21. And uh, Lions didn't even look near as good as they did last week. Uh, and Aaron Jones, absolute monster of a game. Uh, 47.5 fantasy points, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I catch as well. Ridiculous.
2: For me, there's a lot of talk of just how many points they've scored in Aaron Rodgers. But I just wrote. Small talk on this game, the Packers look like the most balanced team. Pass and run and a decent defense or a good defense. They look very balanced right now.
1: This is a division that for the first time in a few years doesn't seem to be as competitive. And I think I think Rodgers huh. realizes this.
3: And it is out for blood early. they mm-hmm. still fueling... The fire with the whole uh, they didn't give me any support thing, so he's uh, showing that he didn't need it.
0: I'm still waiting, man. I'm still waiting for Stafford to show his Dark Horse MVP <laughs> side. Uh oh, when
3: he gets Kenny Galladay back. Yeah.
1: Be
0: a bit easier for him. Yeah, Galladay will be back this week, uh, for their matchup.
2: I I also think they hired uh Matt LaFleur for this reason, you know, being young, being like creative with the offense like you saw mcveigh in the past with the rams that was all talked about and now you have a year underneath each other's belts now you're seeing some of the stuff that maybe they've envisioned
0: yeah uh good game for christian kirksey as well their free agent signing inside linebacker as well uh packers got the cover minus six over 49 hit easily in this one um as well A lot of overs this week, actually, in the NFL. I feel like it's been that way. I might start betting overs in the NFL now. Uh, Next one. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the surprise of the year so far. Barely losing on a last-second field goal by Mr. Goskowski Once again, two straight wigs. Steven Goskowski kicked the game-winning field goal for the Tennessee Titans. Um... But, I mean, look at it again. Over 300 yards once again for Minchu, three touchdowns. Uh, two picks killed him, though. Four touchdowns for Tannehill as well.
3: Johnny Smith, baby, I told you. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like the Titans are definitely going, like what a lot of us expected, going more towards the passing game this year. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, Henry's still getting 25 carries. just hasn't been as productive and and. Week one, I, I wasn't as, I guess, heavy on him for it because he was up against a pretty good front. But this week, I mean, I don't think it's really excusable that you only run for 84 yards on 25 carries. Yeah,
3: I think we also all have that 99-yard run in the back of our heads that he had against them a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, I, And he's historically done good against them. Oh. Aside from just that one run, so besides I think we all, we all think that he's going to do that every game. But
2: besides Robinson having a, over a hundred yards rushing, I just thought quarterback play. I mean, seventy-five percent completion from Tannehill with four touchdowns—you can't argue about that. Maybe you want some more yards, and then Minshew—he just keeps proving that he can play in this league, regardless if they try to tank eventually or go and get Trevor Lawrence or. Or, in, or go in a different direction, there's someone out there that would like to have him under center. Uh-huh. And I think in this game, the two interceptions and the person who he's shown himself to be would tell you the difference in the game was my two turnovers. And that's why I like him as well. He He's fun to watch. I love the mustache. Keep Keep it up.
0: Yeah, I think the Jacksonville offense has sort of – I mean we see 16 carries for 102 for James Robinson there but uh 45 pass attempts for Minshew, that's what he's used to. Uh when he was at Washington oh, yeah. State yeah. uh that air raid kind of thing uh just throwing the ball that many times a game it's what he's used to and he's producing like uh he should mm-hmm. Kenny Vaccaro really solid game for oh, Tennessee stats. there. filled the stat sheet um uh, But the Jags got the cover, plus 7.5, over, once again, like I said, 44 hit here. Um, Next one was a weird game. Um,
1: Kirk Cousins is bad.
0: It's, it's, I don't even know, like, under 45% completion for Kirk Cousins.
1: He's, He's turning into... What he was for that stretch of time in Washington where they were ready for a new quarter. Okay,
2: look. I'm not even going to use any stats. I'm just going to bring up two things that people can laugh or think I'm crazy. They are the Falcons of the North. Do they not look good offensively on freaking paper? Mm-hmm. And, and, pretty, and good on defense. And so you just keep scratching your head. And the second thing, where's Keenum? Can someone find Keenum? Because they're better off with him. This is ridiculous, Kurt Cousins. I'm pissed. supposed to be the dog of the week,
0: yeah, uh, eleven points for Vikings is pretty much unacceptable uh Jonathan Taylor though looked absolutely amazing in his starter start starting debut uh over a hundred yards there, but yeah i I mean, I don't really know if it was the Vikings offense or the Colts defense because I mean. You see DeForest Buckner just absolutely demolished the Vikings offensive line this week. So,
2: I think it's the Viking or the excuse me, blame my last, Colts defense cuz you still look at Rivers' numbers, yeah, he only missed six passes, but it's like 214 for one touchdown and one interception. It's not like he blew them out of the water. It's their the Colts defense did it all. Yeah. 3 I, interceptions. Ridiculous. He's garbage. Garbage.
0: Alex, too bad he didn't see uh, Mo Ali Cox coming. He could have got him off waivers there. Yeah,
1: I read somebody said that. I <laughs> Matthew Barry said something about he'd rather have Mo Ali Cox than uh, than Jordan Reed this week.
0: <laughs> Jordan like, Reed scored there. two touchdowns though. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: maybe it wasn't. It might have been Yates. I can't remember exactly which <laughs> of the two it was, but yeah. Uh, but, I mean, still, Molly Cox had a good game. You know, Rivers likes tight ends. He had that connection with Antonio Gates for all those years. Uh-huh. I'm just really surprised by Kirk Cousins in this offense. And can you blame it on Stephon Diggs being gone? Maybe. That's the only thing that I can think is that different between the two offenses this year.
2: It might be. I mean, he even came up when he had for Diggs, the Bills.
3: Kirk Cousins still had games like this. Um, and as a Jets fan, I'm just, I just want to say that I'm glad they didn't sign him when he was a free agent a couple years ago. I think it's time for Minnesota to draft.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's, that's going to be hard for them to do because they signed into it with that three-year extension uh, before the season this year. so uh, They're in for the long haul with Kirk, and it's... they need Justin Jefferson to start stepping up as the number two wide receiver. I'm
1: not, I'm not saying it's time to move on from Cousins yet. I'm saying it's time to draft and let someone learn what you want to learn from Cousins. And then as the decline continues... Because I'm sure he'll fluctuate, as he does. But as the decline continues and he gets older and it becomes apparent that he is no longer good, then you have this guy to bring in, rather than you're taking a long shot because all of a sudden Cousins is gone and bad.
0: Do the Howie Roseman technique. Draft quarterback every year. (laughs) Bills barely beating the Dolphins. I mean, it was the late touchdown that got the Dolphins that close. 31 28 um, Josh Allen looks absolutely amazing this season against two bad yeah. teams, mind you. But he—they beat who they're this supposed to beat. Good
1: cornerbacks today. This is a be. team, g- is a team that matches up well on the outsides. receiver to cornerback. And Stefan Diggs looks like an animal in Buffalo. I
2: will—I will say this. He looked like an actual solid pro quarterback. The last two games were still iffy. They weren't you got to read it in between the stats. But, Stephon Diggs looked great yesterday, but let me give you this. If you go back and watch that game film, guess who Howard was covering 90% of the time? Not Stephon Diggs. Why did Flores have a rookie cornerback on Stephon Diggs? Blows my mind. Go back and watch the game, guys. Your best cornerback is not on, arguably, Buffalo's best wide receiver.
0: Uh... Yeah, I, talking about Noah Igbenogany, the first round corner for the Dolphins there, but I mean also uh, Byron Jones did go down in this game, so they kind of were sucked oh. into that there. But you're right, Xavier Howard should have been on him.
3: Uh, well, one I, thing I I, I, I was, was very
0: with impressed with Allen though yesterday.
3: One thing I do notice though when looking at these stats is that <clears throat> Josh Allen didn't run the ball a lot like he did in Week One, which is probably part of the reason why he didn't turn the ball all over at all because last week he fumbled it twice when he was running the ball so the fact that he only carried it four times for 18 yards and stood in the pocket and threw the ball I think that was a big reason for their success this week
0: yeah that was kind of interesting considering what uh, game film they had of the Patriots playing the the Dolphins week one um, <laughs> but yeah I mean Josh Allen just proves that he can, he can do it through the air too he doesn't need to run all the time if he doesn't have to. Uh, I think the surprise of this one was uh, Fitzpatrick played pretty well, three 300 yards, and uh, Gasecki looked like a beast uh, living up to his second-round pedigree.
1: Yeah, we saw that a little last year at the end of the year. Those guys start getting on the same page. So I, I know a couple of people had Gasecki as a little bit of a sleeper this year, uh, but he, he can keep it up. Pretty impressive name to watch fantasy-wise.
0: I'm happy for him, man. Penn State boy. <laughs>
3: I think I dropped him.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> they're they're gonna they they're gonna start running and and not being they're gonna be linebacker and tight end you soon with uh Pat Fryermuth coming out next year as well. So, um, Jordan Poyer had a really good game here for Buffalo uh, safety there with a sack, tackle loss, and two quarterback hits. The Dolphins got the cover late, like I said, plus six uh, over 41 hit easily and. This one. Next game, Chris, your your Jets. Niners had a million injuries and they still couldn't win, man.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, the Niners were already ahead when all those big guys went down. I mean, Garoppolo played till halftime, um, and the two defensive linemen. I mean. Uh, they almost weren't missed. The defensive line for San Francisco still looked good, even without those two on the line. So,
0: they have the deepest defensive line in the NFL. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So it was
1: promising things for the Jets. Braxton Berrios, the old uh, New England cast-off, looked pretty good.
3: They had a couple of New England castoffs <laughs> catching the ball for them. <laughs> you can see Chris, Chris Hogan was them. the leading receiver
0: in the game at seventy-five yards. Man.
3: Mhm. <laughs> yeah, it looked like they were kind of developing something there, but. Williams um, everything good. I don't know the status of the receivers for this upcoming week, but we well, need something.
0: Well, you know we Perriman's not going to play, but uh, your boy, man, Quentin Williams, absolutely mm-hmm. dominant. He had a game. He tried to do it all by himself.
3: Hey, he finally showed up. He finally did something. Last <laughs> year, his rookie year, I mean, I don't know what it was, but he didn't really live up to the third overall pick last year. So,
2: I mean, right off from the – right from – this first handoff, 80-yard touchdown run, you're just looking at the game going, oh, man, it's going to be a long day.
3: Mostert actually had two, but the one was called back. He had another long touchdown run, but, yeah, that got called back too. So, yeah, I don't know what – there's not much to say about the Jets. They just – they're the Jets.
0: <laughs> the turf's so bad, Chris. I don't know.
3: <laughs> no, because the 49 is complaining about that, but literally – what did we count
0: six ACL tears throughout the league last or yesterday? Yeah,
3: it's so, it's actually up not to seven just
0: now. The uh The Niners did cover minus seven over forty-one and a half. Hit in this one, Alex. Do you have any thoughts on this game?
1: Jets are bad. They're they tags for me.
0: 0-16. Oh, so I apologize
1: to all Jacksonville Jaguars fans for saying you're the dumpster fire of the league. Clearly, <laughs> you're riding on the tips of Minshew's mustache towards a little bit better of a record. The Jets, you guys are in the new dumpster fire. All oh. right, Chris.
2: Oh, and 16 baby. Trevor Lawrence.
3: I, I think they'll go 1-15 up. I think they'll split against the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do some I'll uh, take power rankings in the next couple of weeks, but... The cards, man, they uh, they look good. Uh, Thirty to fifteen over Washington. Uh, I mean, Kyler Murray on the ground again, uh, scoring two two more rushing touchdowns.
1: This kid is the real deal, man. We were saying potential dark horse MVPs at the beginning of the season. Like I said then, he's a sophomore guy who's a, a second year sophomore player who last two guys who have won that award have won it in that year, and he, fit, he fits the mold. He does it on the ground. He does it through the air. He's leading a team that, you know, people thought could be good but maybe not beat the 49ers week one good. Uh, so if they keep up this pace team-wise and he himself, look out because he and Russell Wilson could be going head-to-head for that award.
2: I think for me, Washington, a couple things. Washington, or Cardinals' defense looked good, even better than week one, I thought. And the second thing, it just—it still kind of flabbergasts me that you hire a college coach that was so-so in Kingsbury, but he looks ten times better as a as a professional quarterback. Then you're taking someone number one overall. You're taking all this heat because is he going to play baseball? Is he going to play football? Is he undersized? You know, you had already drafted a quarterback, and they went with it, and they look good. Now it's only two games in. We'll see what happens when you play the Rams and the Seahawks, but to me they look like they're nestled into that division for the long term to be competitive
0: this year.
1: Yeah, and I think they did something really important that a lot of teams don't do is they let the coach come in and make that pick of Kyler Murray and run the system he wanted to instead of bringing in the coach and forcing him to use Rosen when he knew that's not the type of system he wanted to run. That is I, think very... a lot of, I think a lot of like GMs make the mistake of bringing in these great coaches but not letting them bring their system with them.
2: Very wise young Padawan.
0: <laughs> yeah, and your, uh, your boy Terry McLaurin had an amazing <laughs> game. Alex. I love Terry. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I didn't start him in a couple leagues. But that's all right.
1: Still, I also benched him in a league, so. I think I did too. So. Still got, <laughs>
0: still players. got wins in almost every league this year. Exact opposite of uh, last week, but
2: this, this next one's fun.
0: The defending Super Bowl champs are still undefeated, barely. Twenty three twenty in overtime. Uh, Harrison Bucker hitting two fifty eight yard field goals in this one here, and okay. the Rook. The rook Praise looked the
1: great. Praise, Praise Harrison Butker in the betting odds.
3: All I gotta say is, what was Anthony Lynn thinking in the overtime? Why would he punt that? <laughs> I agree with you. Why I thought not the same thing because either thought, way, you were gonna lose thing. that game if you didn't convert that fourth down or if you punted it. I knew that they were gonna lose that game. I thought I mean,
1: they have a great defense, but. At that point, you're in overtime. You're not. Gonna
2: when be he able did that, it was
3: a field goal. They didn't need to score touchdown, so yeah. I knew that they were. Gonna when he play. did
2: that, I said the Chiefs are going to march down. Yeah. Couple things that, was, that I had. That was a mistake. Couple things I had for this one. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Tyrod not take the Bills to the playoffs? I think he did.
3: When and yeah. then now you have I Josh. Him, I think he was just on the. Well,
2: team. I mean, he was on the team, and it ended up. <laughs> No, no, someone he, got –
0: he and he was a he starter. Took him, he yeah, took in the year played. before Allen got drafted. And
2: then Allen came in, and then was he not at Cleveland Browns and now Baker Mayfield, and now he's at the Chargers, and now you have a rookie that looks really good, and he's getting paid starter money. So I just thought that was funny. He's just paving the way for rookies, but he's getting paid the starter money. What a Even life. Even
3: though Anthony Lynn said that he's going to start when he's – ready to come back yeah
0: I thought that was the biggest bullshit comment of the week <laughs> because it, it makes no sense the offense looked 10 times better with Justin Herbert in. he goes for 300 yards yeah he threw a really bad rookie interception yeah
3: Um, and they were killing him for that on the broadcast too. they were saying that
0: that was yeah. just a rookie mistake yeah uh, but you know it, it just doesn't make any sense to me why Anthony Lynn would say that I would have if I would have, was him. I would have just said not commenting on the quarterback situation, and I mean, uh, we'll talk about Tyrod's injury here in a little bit. But dude, what can we say? I mean, Mahomes is undefeated in September uh, as a starter. He's nine mm-hmm. and O, and he's also has I think it's what twenty four interceptions to no, no picks. And averaging like 320 yards a game. Absolutely ridiculous in September for the Chiefs.
3: Now, (laughs) I don't know how true it is, but I also heard from Herbert's post-game interview that he didn't even know he was playing until like the kickoff at the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, with with Tyrod's injury in our news segment Before we go, I just want
2: to be an antagonist. Can anyone else... Name me one sport where you can call a damn timeout when you don't have the the ball, possession of the ball. Your team doesn't have it, but you can call a timeout. Why is that still a rule in the NFL? The I kickers. understand, as a football purist, you are icing the kicker, but it's it makes no sense. You don't have you don't have the ball.
1: Well, they got to take timeouts to stop the clock to get the ball back.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's part of the strategy of the game.
2: Again football purists, and, I, and I'm and i with you guys, but every time I see people call timeouts to ice the kicker, you can't, in any other sport, you got, it, it's such an advantage when you don't have the ball. When you really look at it from a rules and a manager of sports, it's such an advantage for a team that doesn't have the ball.
3: I mean, it didn't help him yesterday, though. He still hit it three oh, times. Oh, no, he though. hit
2: it three times because <laughs> of the false start and the two timeouts. But it just, it's, it's something that I like to throw out there as an argument, it doesn't mean that I want that change. I just think it's a fun argument.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Harrison Bucker, the god, uh, really good receiving game though. Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, and Travis Kelsey all over 90, ninety yards receiving there. Chargers did cover plus eight and a half, uh, under forty-seven and a half uh, hit in this one. Let's go to another AFC contender. Baltimore Ravens killed the Texans 33-16 in Houston. Uh, Lamar didn't really have that great of stats in this one, but he didn't really have to uh, because their rushing game was just on fire with Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and
3: everyone else.
1: Defense looks just as good as the offense, too, as well, which is the scariest part about this team.
3: This game is why I hate fantasy football, though. Because I have Mark Ingram, but he only got like two points last week, so I was like, okay, I'll put him on the bench, and then he went off this week. Did and I... then I have Lamar as my starting quarterback, and I had Matthew Stafford on the bench. Stafford outperformed. Lamar, so.
0: <laughs> I I I said, man, I I was rolling with Lamar or with with Mark Ingram this week. Uh, I knew that the Texans just got ran over by Clyde edwards so I figured. Uh, he had to be he couldn't do worse than 2.9 points, right? <laughs> for me,
2: my two biggest takeaways were <clears throat> the Ravens are going to have to score mo- like when it's time to score, you can't settle for four field goals because they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a big time contender. You're going to have to turn those into touchdowns. And the second thing is the Texans, I just this whole summer Going into the season, they look like a huge question mark. And they have such – J.J. Watt, not just what he does on the field, but off the field, and Deshaun Watson is a class act. They need to get – their coach needs to stop being the GM, or maybe stop being both eventually.
3: Mm-hmm. Wait, did Will Fuller play yesterday or No. Yeah, but he, he did. Over 100 yards That's what I'm he saying. He got saw zero points because I'm playing against him. I was like, "Did he?"
0: He did got absolutely run? shut down by Marcus yeah. Peters and Marlon Humphrey. He
3: just had a hell of an interception too. Yeah, I'm just thankful for that because I also forgot to take out Jamison Cratter before the game started. So <laughs> I also had a receiver with a zero <laughs> on my team.
0: Hey, I put that update in the dynasty yeah, know, chat, man. <laughs> uh, really. Good game by Zach Cunningham. I mean, the Texans defense felt like they were on the field for the whole game, uh, but also Clayus Campbell with three quarterback hits, two tackles floss and a sack there. Uh, he just does not get old. <laughs> Sunday night football here. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks got the win, thirty-five thirty, against the Patriots. Last second goal line stand of Cam Newton, uh, and it wasn't even close. He didn't even get to the two yard line. So they knew it was coming.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they didn't at least spread out the guys a little more to make it seem like he was going to pass.
3: I kind of wish they did that, and I kind of wish it was like a mirror of what happened in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah. That's I, what I, I was, was thinking. Off,
0: I was thinking the exact same thing when me and uh, my friend were here watching it. I was like, bro, please let the can throw a pick on the goal line, dude. <laughs>
2: There were, there were, Well, there's a lot of storylines, not to spend an hour on this game. But earlier in the game, they faked that same – run scheme and then he just dumped it over to the right for a touchdown so i don't know why they didn't at least give him two options i know he's you know you can say cam's back or he's back into his form you're giving the best offensive player on your team the ball but it was only designed to go one way and they sniffed it out other stats gilmore finally had a touchdown thrown on him it was 120 consecutive tries that someone has tried to score or throws and it hasn't been a touchdown and then James White uh, his dad just dying in a crash very emotional Uh, the whole league outpouring for love and we have love for you as well and then just like Alex said earlier Wilson is looking MVP caliber he is doing everything for the Seahawks so just watch out let's see what he can keep up the rest of the season
0: yeah,
3: Russ, yeah, Russell Wilson has See, nine yeah.
0: touchdowns in the first two games.
3: But watching that game last night, though, like, he threw how many deep touchdown passes and it went right into the receiver's hands? Like The receivers didn't even have to move their hands at all. It was just a basket catch every time. It was insane.
2: Sierra must be work. doing giving him something at home to make him just play yeah. this
0: way.
1: I think an interesting note from this is that Edelman had his career high last night with... Cam Newton as
0: quarterback, not Tom Brady. Yeah, well, I was getting mad because I had Edelman in fantasy, and he wasn't doing a lot in the first half. And middle of the second quarter, he got going, and then second half, he just blew up. So would have liked to see him get a touchdown, uh, but happy that the Seahawks won and not the Patriots. So uh, I think most Cam, of
3: America is happy about
0: that. Cam close to 400 yards was absolutely ridiculous, though.
2: Some of his throws look like vintage cam. And before we move on, also, we have to talk about Belichick, Steve Belichick, the son, because it's business in the front and it was all (laughs) ninja in the back, people. And if you guys look closely, he took off his mask and had a big old wad of dip in his mouth too and was (laughs) spitting. Nothing but Joe uh, Dirt. In that game, guys.
0: He's such a, a... who might be fielding head coaching offers. He's, he's <laughs> such an ugly mofo. Uh, but, I mean, I'll talk about his dad, though. <laughs> what the hell was Bill doing with his mask all night? He had the bottom rolled up, and it was, like, jutting out. I was like, Bill, that's not how you wear it, dude. <laughs>
3: yeah, I heard something that the league's going to start cracking down on that, too. So yeah, Pete
0: Carroll's idea. probably going to get fined. Uh, every time the camera showed Pete, he was not wearing his mask. <laughs> so, also, probably a fine the coming game, his way.
1: The first game we saw with Jamal Adams really have a, a game-changing
0: yep. impact
1: for yep. Seattle. I, I remember specifically on a couple plays, he got to Cam, put pressure on him, forced him to get rid of the ball before he wanted to. Uh, came up, made some really nice stops in the run game. So. I think he's someone that, that this team's been missing since the Cam Chancellor days. Really that hard-hitting, downhill safety. And uh, he's bringing a little bit of the attitude back to that defense that they haven't had
0: in some time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's somewhat, I mean, through two games looking like two first-round picks was worth it for a safety. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chris, you better hope the Jets, man, They better. Well, they better make those picks work for them.
3: I mean, I hope they do, but as of right now, like, just thinking about it, I'm kind of glad that they got rid of him and didn't pay him because this team's just so bad that, that paying a safety that kind of money is just going to make them even worse. So I'm kind of glad that they got rid of him. Uh, Speaking of worse. Got what they got for him. So let's just hope that they hit on those picks.
2: You know who never looks worse and he still looks the same? No wonder he didn't wear his mask. Pete Carroll looks like he sti- is the same Pete Carroll at USC. He must have some great Botox going on, or something. I don't know. That man never ages. Good
0: for him. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the that
3: two oldest coaches in the in the league last night. The first matchup between two coaches that old. So.
0: Yeah, uh, that is all for the weekend in review. We'll talk about some. NCAA news that I had uh, written down here, just as we were talking about all the games from the weekend. Uh, TCU Max Duggan, their quarterback, uh, he will be available for their opener. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure this this weekend. Uh, I know TCU had to have a game canceled, I believe, before and
2: He was supposed to be out because of a heart condition. Uh,
0: but yeah, yeah, Max Duggan will be available for TCU. They still have not named a starter there. Um, but in terms of who has name starters, LSU named Miles Brennan the starter. Uh, that was kind of a given. Everyone pretty much knew that was going to happen. Uh, staying in the SEC quarterback news, Mac Jones, the starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, also pretty much on par with what everyone thought. I think. Played
2: played in place of Tua when he was injured.
0: Yeah, and then uh, right here in Georgia, man, Kirby's keeping his notes to himself. He's not naming his starter, qu- starting quarterback ahead of this week's matchup against Arkansas. So I hope it's JT Daniels, though. <coughs> I am not sure what Dwan Mathis has, but uh, I already know what JT has.
2: JT can throw a good ball. If you've ever watched USC, he's got – He sets in a pocket and he slings it like a gunslinger. I don't know if it has something to do with the injury and if they're not knowing 100%, is this something that Kirby's doing for a little bit of an edge or is it the new OC in the air raid, Todd Munkin, who maybe likes Mathis because he can throw a little bit and certainly has that side of the running game as a quarterback. So it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, and then uh, just one last note for NCAA news anyways. Primetime, Dion Sanders is a head coach in the college ranks, Jackson State's new head coach. Uh, I saw a little bit of his introduction today. They had, like, a freaking marching band there. They had everything that you would think of in a primetime, uh press conference there
2: good for him uh, is all i can say i mean i wish him the best of luck he he actually as much as he's got a big personality he's a good dude i grew up watching him and and just actually one of my favorite players back in the day i mean you guys were probably too young
0: yeah i was hoping that uh he would have got the florida state job this year but that would have been even more interesting to be on the (laughs) national spotlight but uh we'll see if he gets into the the FBS ranks in a couple of years or not? <laughs> um, going to NFL news here. Lost. So we had a million injuries this weekend, and that's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Seven ACL tears. Uh. But before we talk about them, we'll talk about them sporadically. Lions. Kenny Galladay. He will be back this week. Uh. Missed the first two games. Uh, but, yeah, like you're saying, Alex, Matthew Stafford gets his number one guy back this week.
1: Yeah, it's good for them. It, it's good for Stafford. I mean, he hasn't been terrible. Obviously, he's still played pretty decently. But I think overall this will just help that offense move the ball more. Uh, Galladay is one of the best receivers in the league, and he's, he's only getting better. So I'm excited to see Stafford work with him this year. I drafted him in a couple fantasy leagues. Uh, pretty high up. Uh, I was expecting him to be a wide receiver one this year. So we'll see.
3: Yeah, I drafted uh Galladay as well as my number one receiver prior to the season and then yeah, so I've had a i have i uh, I can't talk. I've had to go without him the first two weeks, so let's see uh let's see if having him back will help my team.
0: Yeah, Lions going to Phoenix and playing the cards this week. Um staying in the division Packers Place their wide receiver equinemia st brown on ir i'm not exactly sure what injury he has i didn't really see what it was but um they lose one of their guys i mean he was probably the fourth guy there anyway so um not terrible for aaron Rodgers, but still <coughs> uh keeping with the wide receiver trend here colts placed or not not placed but Wide receiver Paris Campbell. I started him this week. I was really excited. He had a good matchup against the young Vikings secondary. He gets hurt. He has a PCL injury, um, and he's out indefinitely. They didn't put an exact timeline on his injury. So it's T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal uh, once again for the Colts.
3: Michael Pittman time. That
1: that offense just doesn't look too dangerous. Anyways, I mean, even with him out, T.Y. still had a very mediocre day. I think he had about 33, 43 yards, something along the lines of that. So, really nothing too impressive there, although hopefully it will up his target share or maybe just more for oh Mo Ali
3: Cox. I think that's just another uh, example, kind of like how uh, Brady and the Bucks were. The lack of the offseason, being in a new system and all that, I think it's kind of... Especially for the older quarterbacks, I think it's kind of uh, weighing on them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I honestly really, before the season, expected he and T.Y. Hilton to have a better connection than they have so far, but we'll see. We'll see if it develops or if it stays this, you know, kind of just every once in a while look his way or deal.
0: Yeah, definitely would be interesting to see if Michael Pittman can get going uh, with their second (laughs) rookie uh, trying to step up now, as we saw Jonathan Taylor do it this past week um the Colts also uh have another injury. This one too, their secondary though. Safety Malik Hooker, he's done for the year, torn Achilles. Um really kills them in the back end, their mm-hmm. former first round pick there.
1: Yeah, he's a good player. That's brutal for them. He's a leader on that defense, he and Darius Leonard both, but uh Hooker more for the secondary. So uh, big shoes to fill for whoever's next in line in uh, in
0: Yeah, luckily they do have Kari Willis still back there. He's turned out to be a really solid player that they got in the later rounds. Um, We'll move on to the NFC East and the biggest fantasy injury of the season. Uh, Running back Saquon Barkley, he is done for the year. Torn ACL, partial meniscus tear, as well as a strained MCL. He's going to have to wait about two to four weeks to get surgery to let the swelling go down.
2: He just makes Daniel Jones' shoulder more of the burden of an offense that hasn't looked good, obviously. And in doing so, might make him look even worse. So then, what are the Giants going to do as an organization? Obviously, they're going to rehab Barkley. He's their key piece, the franchise face right now. But are you going to go in a different direction of Daniel Jones after you've traded up? Or are you going to say, hey, Jones... You probably are not going to have a very good year because now Barkley is out. So I think they're in a very interesting situation. Brand new coach. This could put them back another two, three years as an organization. And I hope that he recovers a hundred percent and comes back even more explosive. Um, good dude. Good guy. Shoulders a lot of the responsibility. Loved his response to Tiki Bar- Barber after week one and. Um, we're praying for you and hoping you're coming back even better.
3: Yeah, I I mean, uh, <clears throat> I've always been a big fan of this guy, even when he was back in Penn State and coming to the league. And, um, I mean, <clears throat> he was my uh, fantasy keeper this year, so it's a big blow <laughs> to me.
0: Change um, your team name, Chris.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Yeah, because you see, was my name, so now <laughs> I got it. Now I gotta find a new name, um, but yeah, going back to what you were just saying about Daniel Jones, I don't care who's at quarterback. I don't think it's their fault, no matter who's the quarterback of the Giants right now, because they have so many injuries on that offense um, with him and the guys that we're going to be talking about in a minute. But
0: yeah, they're gonna probably, I would, I would say, most likely get um, some relief at that position with Devontae Freeman who was visiting with the Giants today um, I would expect them to sign him really quickly uh, because there's no way Deion Lewis can shoulder the load
1: Yeah, Deion Lewis is not really a between the
3: tackles type of guy Is Gallman still on him? <laughs> yeah, they,
0: they, did, they did say that Gallman did have a really good training camp, but I don't think uh, he filled in
3: for Barkley in those three weeks
0: last last year. So yeah, I would expect Devonte Freeman to be the starter though next week in New York <laughs> 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 against the Niners. Um, you talked about the injuries on the offense, Chris. The other injuries. I mean Sterling Shepherd now he's going to probably miss a couple weeks with turf toe. Uh, so Daniel Jones still. Is going back to how he used to be with not all of his weapons on the field at the same time.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Giants just can't catch a break. They keep losing pieces over and over again. It's
0: okay for me. I'm I'm okay. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Now the Eagles are sucking anyway, so <laughs> they can be down there with us. I'm fine <laughs> with that. It's great times. Um, yeah. it was, speaking of the Eagles. They got another offensive lineman hurt. What is new in Philadelphia other than having an offensive lineman hurt every week? Um, Left guard Isaac Sayumalo. He has a knee injury, and he's going to get placed on IR. Only for the short term, though. Um, Minimum three weeks on the the IR there. So, I don't even know who is going to play in place of him. Um... (laughs) I would believe it would be Matt Pryor, but uh, they have a million offensive linemen injuries, so uh, I don't even know <laughs> who who would play. Um, we're going to stick with the offensive line trend here through the NFC East. Uh, Washington, they have their own guard injury, Brennan Sheriff. They're potentially, I would say, arguably their uh, best player Uh, Other than uh, Chase Young, Uh, Brandon Sheriff, he's going to miss a few weeks. Uh, He has a knee injury. He was one of the few (laughs) knee injuries that wasn't an ACL tear this weekend. So good news for Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team there.
1: Yeah, that's a team that can't really take too many guys going down, especially
0: good players. Especially on the offensive line, I would say. (laughs) Um The Cowboys, they are hosting a familiar face in offensive lineman Ronald Leary. Used to be with the Cowboys for a bunch of seasons until he went to the Broncos for a couple. Um, But they have their own injuries as well on the offensive side with not having played with Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins this past weekend against the Falcons. Um, And I'm not sure if they have any interior guys hurt or not, but... It would help depth. I know Ronald Leary has played tackle in the past. Um, Mostly guard, though. So they could have some help there. We're going to roll with the offensive line again. Uh, And we just talked about the Cowboys. They played the Falcons this week. Um, Their right tackle, Caleb McGarry, he is going to miss probably only one game, uh, a mild MCL sprain, there so good news for the Falcons and Matt Ryan's front side there and here in Atlanta Um, the Bucks they got some good news on the injury front Chris Godwin he's out of the concussion protocol he'll play this week Brady will have both of his ro- receivers back uh, I don't even know I mean Mike Evans had a 100 yard game but I'm not even sure if Mike Evans was still was back to a 100% or not
3: he looked 100% better than the first week <laughs> <tell you
0: that. laughs> this is true and I hope Godwin uh, comes back this week and just shreds whoever they're playing because I need him in fantasy very badly Uh <laughs> lucky I beat Alex without Godwin this week but <laughs> um, the Panthers another major fantasy running back injury Christian McCaffrey He's going to be out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain, uh, like we were talking a little bit before the show. I just Highly doubt that he makes it to four weeks. I would expect something like Saquon Barkley, where he's back two to three weeks.
2: Unless they just want to tank for better picks, I see him coming back faster than that.
1: This is this is probably where my number one waiver claim comes in fantasy-wise, <laughs> uh, grabbing Mike Davis there. He's, he's a bit of a pass catching back himself, and for an offense that... Seems to like to swing it out to their running back, especially with Brid- Bridgewater being a better short passer than deep range. That's my number one target there over any of these other guys' replacements. I don't think Deion Lewis, especially if Devontae Freeman signs, is going to be one you're going to really want for an extended period of time. Jarek McKinnon too.
3: Jarek uh, McKinnon, yeah,
0: if he's still available. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the Niners here. <laughs> <laughs> So, we uh, just talked about Derek again? McKinnon, but uh, Tevin Coleman, he has a knee injury. Uh, don't know the time frame on him. Don't know the time frame on Raheem Mostert either. He has a sprained MCL. Uh, <laughs> Nick Bosa, DN's Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, they're both done for the year. Torn ACLs. Um, but they are getting some help at the defensive end position. Ziggy Ansah just signed a one-year $3 million contract. Uh, with them so he's back in the league Uh, we'll see how much he has Uh, and they also have D Ford out right now but uh, if he can come back uh, it'll be Ford and Ansa on the outside in San Fran I think
1: I think when when Ford is healthy it it won't show as much but I think this first week especially with Ansa not being on a roster is going to be tough for them getting pressure on the quarterback and containing runs to the outside I think that this is a team that's going to struggle to get I mean, and any team would, losing those caliber of guys, especially both at the same time. But uh, I think that really being their hallmark, losing both of them, is going to show a lot on that defense. I think if the Ford comes back, it'll be
2: better. The Niners had nine people leave that game on Sunday, regardless if all nine people are going to be out. That's huge, and they still won a ball game. Well what did I say when Still picking playing the
3: Jets so.
2: <laughs> what did I say when I picked the Cardinals the first game? And I don't know, i never called it the Super Bowl hangover. I just thought that people would figure them out and I said you don't know about injuries and look at what we have and I think they could end up last in the division this year because of these injuries.
1: We've been on the same train, Mike, since we week, week one before the week before <laughs> week won. I said I don't think the Niners are gonna be as good as they were last year.
0: Yeah. We also a like I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It just, it just got confirmed officially that Nick Bosa did tear his ACL. The MRI showed. Um, but they also have a quarterback injury, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to miss a few weeks uh, with a high ankle sprain. So it's going to be Nick Mullins under center for the Niners. Uh, luckily, they're playing the Giants this week. So... Um, they should be okay still, I believe.
3: <laughs> and he's... Nick Mullins has had some experience in that offense when uh, when Garoppolo went down, what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that they'll be fine, at least for this week. Like you said, they're playing the Giants. Yeah. Just a step above the Jets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of other quarterback injuries here. Um, Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor he's week to week with his chest injury that he suffered before the game yesterday Um, this one was weird he had a rib injury throughout the week uh, from last week's game Uh, had some chest pains in the pregame workout um, and they took him to the hospital and it said they actually he got an injection in his rib
2: he had complications to the injection
0: yeah is what I heard yeah, so that one was weird. Uh, I still think it's stupid that Anthony Lynn said that he's a starter if when he's healthy, but uh, that's just my opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see how this turns out. I agree with you. I think, obviously, we all know the offense looked better with Herbert in it. Um, but it, it's kind of, you know, we'll see what, what Lynn does with the situation. He can put the guy back on the bench and let him quote unquote learn. I don't know what he's gonna learn from watching Tyrod <laughs> Taylor, but that's what they'll say. Or let the kids sling the ball. I say now you have an excuse to put him in, put him in.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just crazy because it's the second stop in a row that he's gotten hurt and the rookie quarterback's gone in and looked great.
1: <laughs> Tyrod the ultimate journey man. Where do you start? <laughs> with Baltimore.
2: the with Baltimore with sixth starter sixth round draft pick. With starter money at a couple stops too.
1: That's true. That's true. He was all right in Cleveland. He was really okay in
0: Cleveland. He he did okay in Buffalo.
1: Brian Hoyer was also okay in Cleveland.
0: (laughs) He was. Um, Another quarterback injury here with the AFC West. Drew Locke for the Broncos. He's out two to six weeks. He has a sprained AC joint. Um, My locked in for 2020 season is not looking too good for the Broncos. And Drew Locke. Uh... I still believe in him, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that and this next loss that we're going to talk about for them, just terrible for an offense that's looking to integrate two new young wide receivers and and, and as well as a new running back that they brought in this year in Gordon. So it, this, these are injuries that sets a team back a year. Because you're not going to get the chemistry on the field. You're not going to be able to get up to speed with one another so it, it hurts for the broncos but there's a future there
3: but yeah like i said before though they did look pretty good with driscoll at quarterback against possibly the best team ends of the league so
1: very true we'll see no offense still catching all the passes though now.
0: yeah
2: we'll see how teams game plan for him instead of just being thrown into the fire but i agree with alex just young players Get on the field, get reps, and these injuries are hurting them. And hurting John Elway's uh, legacy, making decisions.
0: Yeah, Broncos, uh, they also lost wide receiver Cortland Sutton for the year. He's tore his ACL. Um, I don't know. I mean, we already talked about the Broncos. So, Um, Chris, uh, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman. He has a sprained ankle. He's going to miss multiple weeks, man.
3: I mean, I don't know how to feel about that, because he has potential to be a great receiver, but it just looked for, like the first couple weeks here, there wasn't really much going on between him and Darnold, so <clears throat> I don't know if it's a big loss, considering they already had a ton of wide receiver injuries as it was, so um, yeah, we'll have to see, though.
0: Yeah, I think it's the fact that the Jets' offense probably doesn't Work to his skill set. Mm-hmm. They need to throw the ball downfield more.
3: <laughs> they did, though, with uh, Braxton Berrios in the last couple plays of the game. But it was a garbage time touchdown.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then um, we also had another couple other torn ACLs this past weekend. Seahawks linebacker Bruce Irvin. Uh, Ravens corner Tavon Young, um, and I'm not sure if it's an ACL or not. But the Seahawks also their nickel corner uh, Marquise Blair also is out for the year with a knee injury, uh, but it wasn't. It didn't say if it was a ACL or not.
1: I wonder if they'll bring back uh, Griffin now that uh, Urban's out. The ACL's there.
0: Yeah, possibly. I just I think. Uh, but Brooks, Brooks wasn't starting, so I think that's going to uh, give him an opportunity to play um, as a first-round draft pick. So, um, the Broncos, they also lost another person uh, four to six weeks, D.N. Draymond Jones. He has a PCL strain and a bone bruise on his knee. Uh, so, hurting them on the defensive front to go along with their offensive injuries there. Um the Vikings, they lost Anthony Barr for the year. He tore his peck and got placed on IR today. Um, and also tonight, uh, I mean, we already... Michael Thomas is out, and uh, Henry Ruggs is going to play for the Raiders. So, just some quick notes on injuries for tonight's game. If uh, I mean, it's Monday night, so you really don't have... That much of uh, options out there to play if you uh, didn't take Michael Thomas out of your lineup already, so but if you want if you want to play Henry Ruggs, go ahead, why not We're facing him That's, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> That's all the uh NFL news we have for this week. Uh, we are going to talk about the game tonight. So, Saints going to Las Vegas to play the Raiders in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, we got our pick standings here for the week. Mark and I, we lost with the Bengals on Thursday night. Uh, we're sitting at the 3-1 and one there. Chris I'm, and Alex. I'm
2: driving the Borough train till he wins. <laughs> Chris okay? and
0: Alex both got uh, the Browns and uh, everyone got the Steelers and Titans right on Monday night last week so one game back it's not bad not bad right now <laughs> um, as far as tonight goes we are all on the Saints train they are a four and a half point favorite it's over under 48 uh, how do you feel about that number Alex
1: Um, it moved a lot the Saints were favored by quite a bit more uh, as early as a couple days ago, I believe. Um, but now I think with, with Michael Thomas being officially ruled out, um, I just I, I still think that the Saints cover this. They have so much talent. The Raiders, you know, they're a good team, but I think this is a Saints defensive line that can bottle up Josh Jacobs, force, force Carr to make those throws down to rugs to Renfro, and, and Lattimore. Lattimore can cover one of those two. And Jenkins can cover the other, so I think it'll be a pretty easy win for the Saints here. But more on the back of the defense than the offense.
2: I agree, a hundred percent. For me, my gut actually wants to pick Raiders, just because of it. Saints being on the road, and I actually don't think Brady or Breeze, sorry, has looked very good since. The the playoffs last year And it's kind of carried over But with that, I think the defense Is too stout for the Saints And it's definitely the secondary for me I think they can get enough pressure They can stop the run game And make Carr win this game And I don't think he can And that's why I stayed with the Saints Logically, on paper, I think the Saints win But my gut's telling me if the Raiders win I wouldn't be surprised
1: Look out for Latavius Murray To have a big game against uh, his old team here
3: yeah for me i mean even without michael thomas i think the saints have a easy game here i mean they they technically didn't even have him last week because he was he had a bad game last week and they were still able to win um against a better bucks team than the raiders yeah i think so i think that breeze and co will find a way to do just enough to win this game tonight um and like you guys were saying, <clears throat> that Saints defense is just too good, I think.
0: Yeah, the only thing that scares me is a stat that I saw on ESPN here that relocated teams are six and three in their home opener. So and it's the thing is it's a special day, it's a Monday night.
3: <laughs>
0: but where's the fans? You never know what say, can happen, man. Out
3: there.
0: No, the they, they won't have the black hole. Uh, but still, I think the Raiders could surprise people and make it a game. If if uh, they had fans, i might going to pick the Raiders.
3: Yeah, they might be excited to actually play in a football stadium for once rather than the baseball stadium out there in Oakland, so.
0: Well, they did say if there were going to be fans tonight, the average ticket price would have been $818, so, um... Don't know how people would have afforded that, anyways. <laughs> hey, if they can get Don't the run
2: game, room. if they can get the run game going, it's yeah, gonna I be think, tough. I think a
0: lot depends on
1: the run game for both teams. I think if New Orleans shuts it down, which I expect to happen, then their backs, and if their backs can run well, if Murray and Kamara can run well, <laughs> then they'll win this hand.
0: Yeah, I think I'm kind of just expecting uh one more major injury coming out of this game, probably just by how the week's gone. I mean, we didn't have any in the Thursday night game, but.
2: Just how yesterday. Maybe we should stop making picks because there's too many injuries.
0: (laughs) Hey, we have all the information we need. We're going all in
2: on the Saints and watch them drop like flies.
0: Thursday night. Yeah, we're all in. We are all on the Jags. (laughs) The Miami Dolphins are heading to Jacksonville to play the Jags. Uh, Jags are minus three right now with the over-under at 44, and I would expect the Jags to cover.
1: Yeah, when I was texting Rusty my picks earlier, I was like, I can't believe I'm typing this dude, but I'm taking the Jags. <laughs>
2: Minshew is all I have to say. I'm going to roll with him. And I, just some of the things that on the defensive side of the ball that the Dolphins do, like I was talking about earlier, with matchups. But in that division, in those teams... I don't it would be hard to see the Dolphins 0 and three and the Jaguars two and one.
3: I mean I picked the Jaguars though, not so much because I like the Jaguars, but because I just think that the Dolphins are that bad. Yeah I
1: was, I was think, more picking
3: um, against the Dolphins than for the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, I think Jones <laughs> down is, is huge for them. They lose a key piece that they brought in to help rebuild around. And I think Minshew, as well as, honestly, these receivers, Cole, uh, Chenault, who they use a lot running out of the backfield, uh, obviously Chark, I think those guys are going to get loose in this secondary. So I'm excited. A little little Florida battle here. Uh, probably going to be – I would, normally I'd say this would be one of the closer games, but the way they're playing, if Minshew – Minshew puts on his shoes. But we've seen Fitzmagic as well. So you never know with these two guys. And it's, it's two sh- exciting quarterbacks to watch. One very young, one very old.
0: Short uh-huh. short turnaround, too. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a, an exciting game that people wouldn't think it would be. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just talked about Fitzpatrick. But uh, they lost to the Patriots by 10 points in Week 1. Uh, which is not bad, considering they threw three interceptions. Um, and then they only lost to the Bills by three points this past week. So, uh, the Dolphins are a competitive team that are going to fight, but, uh, I mean,
1: it's two Florida teams with two gritty quarterbacks that have won over their franchises in the last year. So, I think both of these guys, both of these teams are really going to play lights out, you know, blank, blank to the wall, balls to the wall. I think I can say that, right? Balls to the wall to win this game. <laughs>
0: All right, Alex, how about this? If the Jags go 3-1 in September, you got to buy a Minshew jersey.
1: If the Jags go 3-1 in September, I will buy a Minshew jersey, and I will grow my beard out and shave it down to just the stash for one of the shows. (laughs)
0: Love it. I love it. I just say that because you know who they play week four. Who? Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) If If Minshew...
2: if they do go that record and he beats Burroughs, i I have a beard. I'll show. I'll shave mine into a Fu Manchu. <laughs> um, all
0: right, uh, that is that is all we have for this week. Got the Monday Whoa. night game here. Next Monday night. Next be a fun Monday one. is going to be very intriguing. Kansas City going to Baltimore, um, and then Thursday, Chris, you get your Jets. Facing the lockless Broncos uh, at MetLife, so
3: we'll see Broncos what... are winning that one.
0: <laughs> wow, without lock, but we will see uh, what the college football uh, weekend brings us with the SEC starting this week. Uh, UGA is playing at Arkansas 4 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Going to be a good time.
2: We have a little bit of golf competition first, so we'll see.
0: <laughs> oh, you guys are going to destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank There's you. No
1: competition there unless we're just going to play putt putt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. We will see you next week. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at FA Podcast as um, as well as subscribe on Spotify. We need those uh, need those subscribers. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll see you next week.
1: Bye.